I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast. I'm Clint, and uh, today, let's see who we have. I've got a package here, and uh, you know, I'm going to dig through it here. Oh, yep, okay. Oh, all right. We got uh, founder, owner, rogue American apparel, Invader Coffee, Disciplines of Iron. He also has his own podcast, Going Rogue with Wes Whitlock. You can see him, contact him at his social, which is Wes Whitlock, pretty much on all channels. And I want to welcome Wes to the show. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, man, stoked to be here. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> if you guys hear packaging going on in my background, should I turn? Should I tell them to stop? Is that loud? Can you hear that? <laughs> You're a business owner. That's business going this on. This is real life, all right? My packers yeah. are getting your orders out. So if, That's if, awesome. if they're too loud... I'm sorry. I got, I got bills to pay. Can you guys like try to be a little bit quiet with the packing tape? Thank you. <laughs> All right. So yeah, dude, stoked to be here. Thanks Clint for having me on, man. We've talked for a lot of years over stuff and it's, it's cool to kind of get, get reconnected on here and, and uh, hear about this project and the podcast is really exciting what you're doing, man. So I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for, well, thanks for inviting me, man. I'm glad to have you. And it's awesome to hear a CEO in action yelling at his troops. That's good. Um, <laughs> real life shit, dude. Yes, that is real life. I like it. Uh, so I got a little bit of here about you, you know, Wes Whitlock served in the Marines and has been, uh, he's got a business degree from American university in Rome, Italy. That must've been a good time. Uh, so that might be a good starting point. Let's talk about, uh, your time in Rome and the, uh, any, it was, I got a, it's Rome it's overseas. And that was what years was that? That was, uh, so I got on the Marines in uh, 1999 and went to school right after. So I got out in August of 99 and I was in September, uh, by September 9, I was in school. So yeah. right away, pretty much after I got out, I went, I'd spent time in Rome. So I was an MSG, I was a Marine security guard. We did security for embassies. Um, that was our main mission, diplomats and securities classified information. So I was stationed in Rome at one point and then I was, I did my second post in Yemen, which uh, we've talked about Yemen before. And I, I know you spent time down there as well. Yeah. So I, uh, after that, um, I went, I wanted to get in, I wanted to join the agency or one of the agencies. So I had to, you have to have your, you have to have your degree pretty much to be an 1811, a federal agent. Um, I loved Rome the time that I had there. I wanted to go back there. There's an American university. Um, I'm out. I need to get my degree. Um, and I'm like, why, why not go back to Rome? So I went back to Rome. Um, it was a small school, it was, uh, the American University of Rome. So it's business, communication, uh, political science, uh, art, um, small school. I was actually the first vet to attend that school because they didn't know what the GI Bill was. They had no idea what that was. So I was a whole hoopla in getting in. Ended up sure. getting in and um, yeah, just I worked on the side. You know, I worked, uh, I worked at gyms, bars, clubs, bounced anything I could do to pay bills um, while I was going to school, um, which forced me to, you know, get, get into the culture some more and really, you know, learn the language and just kind of, you know, I, I have a deep, profound love for Rome. I mean, my walls have pictures of 
Italy and Rome and, you know, and a lot of my inspiration for art, coffee, design work, a lot of that comes from a lot of the churches I spent time in uh, in Rome, that the churches of Crusaders would spend time in and leave their art there. So that's really where the rogue designs began, uh, came from. Um, and the love for coffee as well, um, you know, spending a lot of time there drinking coffee every day and kind of the, the whole culture around it and stuff like that. So yeah, there's some a lot great... of goes back to Rome, man. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I did that, went to school, man, in, in Rome and it was great. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's concentrate a little bit. So on the side of the house, when you were doing embassy work, who was probably the biggest name? I wouldn't say your most favorite person, but the biggest name you probably had to, you know, protect during your time in the Marines. It would have been um, <laughs> everybody's favorite, probably Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. We we were attached. So when they are traveling through Europe, they'll pull Marines from different embassies to support the Secret Service. Yeah. Um, we'd stand in the hallway, check the, f- the food trays that even would come to their room. We'd be there with an agent. And we'd open it up, make sure there's nothing there, stuff like that. You know, and you're what were you you're looking 20- for? What were you looking for in their food? Uh, if it was for Hillary, it's probably, I don't know, dildo or something. I don't know. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for, man. I was like, <laughs> I was, uh, it was, it was just a cool experience. And I was 21 and I thought it was so cool. We were in the Hague, Netherlands. They pushed us over there. And, um, and I remember Bill Clinton, he had a, his cane. He just messed his knee up or something. So big old dude, but big guy, man. And, and Hillary had the big power suit on. So I put that picture up a few times. And I always get hammered. Dude's like, Oh my God, you protected her. And I protected her later on in Afghanistan as a contractor with the embassy. So, um, and that's what guys don't get. If they don't get that, you get it. A lot of guys get it. You don't yeah. have to like your client. It doesn't matter. It's part of the deal. You can hate them, but guess what? That's your job, you know? So um, yeah, it would have been those two. Uh, we had, we had numerous codels come through there. Um, Secretary of State, uh, Dalton. I don't remember if you've never Secretary of Navy, Dalton. He came oh, through yeah, there. Yeah. You know, so just kind of that was 97, 98, you know, during that period. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the biggest names in the embassy. Yeah. Now, did, Yemen did you nobody ever, visited until the coal was hit. And then did you hear any good stories or uh, any witness bill, you know, like trying to sneak in any uh, any girlfriends or anything? Oh, that's that's true there is a code right when you protect people there is a little bit of a code there that you're not going to share there is man and it's and you know too even i've had other clients uh you know billionaire billionaire ceos and families and stuff like that stuff that you see in that that world you get very close with these people you see all the family dynamics you see uh everything that happens you're right there and you know, for me, it's kind of unprofessional in a way to get out and say, oh, yeah, this, that, that. It was just work at the time. Um, and it's kind of, it is kind of a code, you know, just even with your guys and, you know, guys that have done certain work, they just, you know, a lot of it doesn't need to be told or talked yeah. about. So, um, yeah, but you want to. I was like, dudes will get out and write books about protecting people and all the weird <laughs> shit that happens. If you, if you talk, you probably know guys on um, Paul Allen's detail. They're all SEALs. They're all SEALs yeah. on Paul Allen's detail. And, there's some funky stuff that goes on over there. So, <laughs> you know, with speedos and a swimming pool. So in inspections, that's all I can say about that. But if anybody know, got a buddy over there, they'll, they'll probably know what that is. So, yeah, uh, this is funny, man. It's a funny world, but uh, pays the bills, man. and keeps you home. Right. right. Stuff anyway, you know. So during your time, you know, you mentioned you did some bouncing over there. Um, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, just hostile or drunk belligerent people what have you found you know the the, more on the psychology of that like 
do you think de-escalation works with a belligerent person or, you know, all your years of bouncing, what would you say? What's the best way to deal with it? Yeah, I think you approach it to de-escalate it for sure. And some people can, can be reasonable. Um, and, um, some people can't, you know, then it gets to a certain point where in that work, which whatever that works is like balancing, whatever is kind of cheesy, but you know, um, and even, even more so throughout, you know, the military and being in, in environments where people are acting up and you have to deal with them in a certain manner because you're also representing that bar, you're representing that person, you're representing that, that business. So, you know, you might think you do, you're doing your job, but if you do it in a way that your client or the business owner doesn't like, then, then you could be fired, whatever. Um, so yeah, de-escalation always first, man, I always try to avoid any kind of violent action, any kind of, you know, of course we all want to punch somebody in the throat as we're talking to them, you know, and it's kind of holding yourself back from that, you know, and it's like, you know, but it gets to a point where you have to get physical and then it just depends on the person, you know, some people will listen and understand and say, all right, it's time to go. Or you could, you know, you could yeah. uh, push them in a certain direction to want to go, you know? Um, right. So well, yeah. you're a big guy too. What, what, what are you, how tall are you? I'm no, I'm, I'm right at six foot. I'm six foot two. I, I'm between two twenty and two thirty, depending on how many donuts I ate that day. Um, <laughs> I see your workout videos on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I try to, you know, <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay in the fight, man. And, and keep up with guys like Pat McNamara and you and, and some of these other guys out there just out, out there grinding, man. So, it's part of the it's part of the deal, man. It's part of your responsibility as a man, and uh, it's part of your responsibility of of what you came from. That you have to continue those traditions, man. You have to keep living that way. So, and it's you know, and it keeps you it keeps your mind good, man. It keeps your it keeps your body ready, man. All the stuff that you talk about, hundred deadly skills. You want that dude is doing that is needs to be in shape. That's yeah. Bottom line, you know. Right. I always um, tell people so, if you want to if you want to save yourself or save others. Uh, in a crisis, well, the first thing to do is be in shape at a minimum, be able to carry yourself and maybe one other person is, uh, it's the best thing you can do for you and your loved ones. But I would say, Absolutely. have you noticed like when you have, when you're in shape and you have that size on your side, that works almost as a de-escalation tool. Once the person that you're confronting kind of looks at you, right. And goes, eh, I don't know if I want to mess with this dude. You know, I've, I've learned over the years too, man. And I had an incident just the other night. And I use this one. I use this one a lot. Whenever I, I avoid stuff, man, I don't yeah. want, I avoid stuff like the plague. If I see it, I'm going to go the other way. But I was driving home. I just dropped my son off. I was driving home and this dude flies up and it's just right on my ass, man. Like aggressive. I'm like, so I'm like, what the fuck? And I get, I get over, mm -hmm. I get out of his way. And then he swerves to, he like, he's going to hit me. He does one of those maneuvers and his windows down. And, he's, and I was like, Mm. all right let me let me let me yeah. let me take a breath here because uh, red yeah man because once you use your vehicle <laughs> i see you trying to use that as a threatening device of uh of violence towards me when you swerve your car at me like you've just escalated the situation mm -hmm. but you know i had a choice to either you know anyway we got to the light and now we're at a red light and i rolled my window down and he's yelling something whatever i said and I said, "Hey, pull over! Come, come over here and pull over." <laughs> so we go, we pull, we go, we pull over, and uh, pull in this parking lot. And then he pulls up, and I get out, and dude, I'm just like giving him fucking crazy eyes. I said, "Beard," and give him those crazy eyes, fucking drool coming out. He fucking sped off, dude. <laughs> he was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "I didn't have to grab my gun. I didn't have to. I just give him, give him a crazy fucking look, That's man." Right. And That's right. you know, sometimes that you can use that to your advantage. 
even overseas, man, you know, too, like, uh, especially in places like Yemen or Afghanistan, they'll, they'll look at people in a certain way. You can go into an area and if you're carrying yourself in a way of like, I don't think we want to mess with those guys because they look like they're trained, prepared. They look a little, uh, you know, versus if you have a 19 year old kid that's freshly shaven and it's clean uniform and he's driving a really slow Humvee, they're going to hit those dudes. They're going to hit the dudes that have the beards and um, look like they're on point and they're watching. And, you yeah. know, it's just like yeah. anything. People read stuff. And I've seen that in, um, I, I worked in Madrid for a while. I, I worked in Spain for a client and she would go out and party late at night. You know, they go out at two in the morning till five. And we are doing that kind of work in those environments at 2 a.m. is when everything changes. People are drunk, fighting in the streets, pissing, fucking in the streets. It gets really <laughs> weird after about 3 a.m. In, in places like that. Venice is the same way. And uh, I was I had my client and we had tracking devices back then. So we would track. She would go into a place and I would stay close because we got to give them some space. But I could track which I put geofences up. And then all of a sudden, like it would ping across the city. Um, I would get an alert like five minutes later. She's across a whole other area of Madrid. I'm like, what the fuck? So I, you know, haul my ass over there. I get a cab or whatever. And I haul my ass over to this area and I'm pulling out my tracking device. I got a map. I got, I, when I go to those environments, I don't try to be the tourist guy. I buy the backpacks they use. I buy the clothes they use. Mm -hmm. I try to not um, stand out. Um, so I get out at the car and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm worried because this is a bad area of Madrid where she's at. I know where that is. That was an uh, area that was we looked at when we did our threat assessment where we did not want her to go. It was like the African quarter of Madrid. And this is like now three or four a.m. And I know she's down that alley. That's where she's pinging. And uh, I'm sitting looking down and I look up. There's a group of, you know, North African refugees, whatever. And they're all just they, they see here's this dude looking at his phone. And I'm like, all right, they're, I'm going to put my shit away because they're watching me. I have to go past them to get to her. And in that line of work overseas, you're not carrying a gun. I don't care how badass you think you are if you're doing private security. Even government and working in, in Europe, good luck. You're going to have to have some very special licenses. Um, so you would carry, we carry um, knives and, you know, certain weapons um, that weren't, uh, they weren't pistols, guns, stuff like that. But anyway, I have to go through this guy. So I'm like, she's behind them. I have to go through there. So what do I do? And they already, they already pinpointed me as kind of like, oh, this guy's a tourist or something. Cause I got my stuff out. Mm -hmm. I put up the peacock feathers, man. And just same thing. I just walked right past him and looked at every one of them. Like I will fucking kill you, dude. Like I just have, cause I'm, I have <laughs> yeah, to get to yeah. my client. And if you want to do something, I'm going to fucking. So even though I was like, dude, these guys will kick my ass. There's 12 of them. Mm -hmm. I, that was the only choice I had. I was like, I can't just leave her down there. I don't have a weapon. I don't have another dude with me. What's the other choice? That's the only way to go one way down that alley. And these dudes are out right there. So I just, I put up the peacock feathers sometimes. And that's why certain animals have that or certain, you know, you, you make yourself look bigger, meaner, uglier, scarier than the thing that's trying to get you. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it worked. I went by and they didn't do shit. They just like, I gave them the fucking crazy eyes. I puffed up and just like, you know, yeah, I got agree. that there's, look, man. There's definitely and, times uh, when you have to, yeah, I think that works. I mean, you want to be the gray person, you know, all the way up until there might be a threat. And then when there's a threat, then, you know, you have to project confidence and hopefully de-escalate. But 
anchoring back to what we were talking about, it all starts with just being in shape, looking at least somewhat fit. And that, that will reduce your signature more than you know, even though you, the fit people do stand out sometimes depending on what you're wearing. But if you dress down, you know, you got the penny loafers and the calculator watch, but you can be in great shape and nobody will know it. You know, right. if yeah. you want to wear like what we wear when we retire, you know, the intimidating right. rogue American black uh, T-shirts yes. and and your stuff's badass, too, man. I want to pick some of that gear up, dude. I have a box. I have a box full for you that I just uh, haven't mailed yet. When we come down to do the podcast, I want them because you get. And by the way, I'm, I'm drinking Mexican chocolate right here. Okay? Oh, Mexican very good. Right on, man. I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking. It's our new bourbon bacon blend. So. Yeah. We're roasting it right now. We just opened the pre-orders yesterday, and it's freaking. You know, I'm gonna have to try that one next too. Yeah. So anyway, dad. Um, uh, yeah, dude. I think I, mean, I I do the same thing when I'm in an airport or I'm traveling, or even now, dude. I've been out of that world, but it's still so embedded in me. Even now, I'll see. I watch. I watch people. I watch what how they sit, how they stand, and you can tell. You like, oh, yeah, that dude. That dude's. He's you know he's probably got it going on. He's probably yeah. in shape. Way he's carrying himself. Um, and if I'm a bad guy, bad guys look at that stuff too. Right. They look at the weak points. Right? All right. That's that I'm hitting that guy. He's got his Hawaiian shirt on. He's got the fanny pack on up front with his passport in it. Um, he's got a camera around that dude gets hit every time, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like that old saying, I would tell my clients when they would go to Italy or France or whatever, I was like, do as the Romans do. Like, do you think the women in Italy look at other dudes or talk to them on the streets? Hell no. They're looking like this with bitch eyes. They're not talking to the um, immigrants and panhandlers and gypsies and troublemakers. Right. They're all business. They give them all death business. eyes, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Americans don't understand that. They'll go there and be like, want to be the nice American um, and have have a Albanian man pretend he's Italian because they're very similar. And he'd be like, oh, I'm Alberto. I'm going to take you out to show you my um, city. The dude's from Albania. He knows she's American. And these girls end up getting raped in Villa Borghese in the park. Happens all the time. So when I when my clients would go there, I did my threat assessments. I go to the bars and they do. they, they Or they put pills in their drinks, get them drunk, whatever. And then these girls end up in alleys and uh, apartments and everything else being raped by three guys. So, yeah, that's not cool. Um, you know, stuff like that. It's just um, it's it's out there and and it's, and. When you're working in those environments and you're the only dude in the, the club, the bar, or the dark alley that's not wasted, you see it all, man. You know, you mm -hmm. see it all. Um, and then you see how vulnerable people are when they're in that state. Uh, so as a, as a bad guy, I would go down there. If I was a bad guy, totally sober, and I'd watch, just find somebody just blitzed, and, you know, there you go. There's an easy target. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm sorry to go off on a tangent. No, there, it's, it's okay. I know, think the big takeaway here is that how important projection and demeanor management is get your workouts in each day uh, so that you can at least get yourself out of trouble if need be. But if, on the projection and man projection demeanor management side, it's really, I mean, it, that can counter, you know, like 95% of potential problems you run into out there in the world just by dressing Absolutely. down, you know, being the great person, keeping all your expensive stuff out of sight, out of mind. You know, it's good stuff. But to switch gears, you know, we're still talking about Italy, land of coffee. What is your favorite coffee? I know you well, have Invader man, coffee. Man, I don't. Well, so it's, it's a good question because yeah. it's, 
the you know it, there's a lot of different reasons it's like a, it's like a wine right the grape the region uh, the weather um people have this whole thing about uh single origin like the yep i only drink single origin which to me is not an educated coffee drinker because what is, i don't origins. even know what that is what's single well, that origin? means a lot of coffees are blended you'll have a, a indonesian mixed with uh, an african an ethiopian it's kind of like grapes. Sometimes they have a really good year. This grape's super strong. They want to mellow it out. They'll use a different grape and they'll blend them. Yeah. You know, where the single origin is that being just from that region. So we have one from Brazil. It's a single origin Brazilian, um, which is great. But you also have to be aware single origin doesn't mean every year it's going to be great. Right. Weather, uh, insect bites, infections, all these stuff that happen on these farms, you know, so if you're just sticking with one single origin, it's not going to always be the same. I don't want to get too nerdy about it, but there is a whole thing behind the, the farms, uh, the the inspection of the bean itself. A lot of these people will buy bags of beans that are infected or have bug bites, which affect the, the quality of the bean. You can still roast it and drink it, but the overall quality starts yeah. at the farm. We will be right back with badass marine security detail expert Wes Whitlock after the break. I have a question for you. I heard that there's more caffeine in the beans that are done at sea level versus cat the the ones that are at elevation or something like that. Is that what? What is it? Where is the mo, the the bean or the cherry with the most caffeine? What's the deal with that? Well, they're all as far as I know, they're all, it's all pretty much the same until you roast it. So the darker you roast it, the more you roast it, the less caffeinated it's going to be. You so get the all darker like, roasts, right. darker roasts are going to have less caffeine. Right. Yep. Which would make sense, right? You have yeah. the full bean that has a lot, of the, all the caffeine. And that's why for marketing, it's all marketing. Like these companies that say we have the strongest caffeine. It's complete. It's bullshit. It's BS. It's it's you can have a really strong caffeinated coffee, but it's going to taste like shit. It's going to be like taking caffeine and putting it in your mouth. Once you roast it, that's when you yeah. change the profiles of the taste. So darker, lighter, you find that mid range. But if you barely roast it and it's got a lot of caffeine, but it's going to taste like, you know, acid, man, you know, so. Um, so what makes a coffee taste good is what the longer you roast it or. It's the roasting. Um, it's a lot of it's the roasting. Sometimes it's flavoring. We do use flavoring. We have a whiskey. We use a whiskey flavor, but we soak the beans in whiskey and then we roast it. So Mexican chocolate's the same way. Um, we, What's Mexican chocolate soaked in chocolate? It's yeah. There's a it's a chocolate flavored uh, substance that we use. Um, organic <laughs> and it's safe and delicious. Uh, yes. I don't want to give up any uh, trade <laughs> there, crap. Or yeah, there's a process to it, you know, and and secrets. and. Uh, yeah, it's so it depends on those things, how you roast, how long you roast. Again, we air roast, which sep separates us from all coffee. Coffee, one percent of the coffee in the world is air roasted. Yeah. All other coffee is drum roasted, your typical drum roasting. So air roasting kills the acidic because the bean is, is roasted at 360 degrees in the air where the drum roasting is inconsistent of the burn. So that's where you get the acid taste. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole process behind it. It's really interesting when you when you start to learn it, I'm, I'm not a coffee nerd, man. I don't know everything about it, but yeah. I've, I've traveled, I've tried coffee all over the world, man. I love Cuban coffees. I like Turkish coffees. Yeah. I love uh, all, you know, all the uh, coffees of uh, Central America, South America, delicious Hawaii. Um, and then just the culture behind coffee is badass because before coffee, before the silk trade and before Ethiopian Yemen, 
and the beans started coming up through this, the Silk Road. Um, dudes were in Europe at bars. So in the morning back then, like now we go to get our coffee and go to work. Mm-hmm. Back then, before coffee bars and all that stuff, dudes were still drinking in the morning and then going to their work. I'm productive. Yeah. I'm productive. Yeah. And then uh, coffee <laughs> makes its way up into Europe from Ethiopia, um, finally makes it up there. And then people start, oh, this is, you know, and this is great. This is and then a whole culture has grown from that, um, not just because, oh, it wakes me up in the morning, but there's a whole tradition behind it. If you go to Italy in those places, they the, the, the dudes working in the, the, the bars put little designs, man, little little dick squirting out, you know, sperm and little love signals and skulls and like all kinds of stuff, man. It's they are art. good with the foam, the foam decorations the foam with cinnamon decoration. and all that. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, all, it's, it's, it's awesome. Cool. So there's well, a yeah, lot of cool I, stuff I, behind it. You know, I'm, 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 I'm not a, I'm not a huge nerd on it. I like cookie coffee that tastes good and doesn't have an acidic taste. So that's kind of why, where I'm at with that. And a lot of other people have been liking it too. So it's been fun, man, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's, I, and that's my problem as a business entrepreneur type folk is I got Rogue, I got, you know, Disciples, which I, I, I've closed a lot of stuff down there just because I had three websites, three customer services, three emails, three social media platforms. Yeah. And that's part of my problem as a person as well. I like to, I like to try a lot of things, man. You know, so sometimes I have to reel myself back in and say, you know, what, let me just focus on these other things. So, but that's what makes life fun, man. That's what makes things interesting. Trying to, yeah, things. I agree. I, and you know, I've, I've, you know, obviously been, we've been hanging out for a while and we, uh, I've been watching you for a lot. I learn a lot from you and you do it. I think guys like us end up, you know, we, we say yes to everything and then find out later that if you do that, you spread yourself thin and then, uh, you know, eventually something's got to give. And if it's quality or time or, you know, something is going to give and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I need to cut the fat a little bit here and concentrate on one or two things and be really good at those than trying to be good at everything. And uh, right. I've done the same now, you know, here I am, you know, six years retired. And uh, at first I, I was saying, you do a lot of yes. stuff, man. You do yeah, a now, lot, bro. But lately like I've been you doing. you and Tim Kennedy, I'm like, you two guys are always doing a lot of stuff. So I'm like, shit, I thought <laughs> yeah. I was. I'm like, okay, I got to keep up, man. <laughs> I think, know, no, so. I no, I think Tim's got his both beat. Man, that guy's <laughs> yeah, that insane, always yeah. got shit everywhere. Um, like you said, I think it's a lot of the personality comes from guys that just want to do a lot, man, and want to, you know. But like you said, you can't be the best. You can't be the best on a team, the best sniper, the best breacher, the best comms guy. You got to be specialized in one area and know the other ones. Like in business, you have to you have to have an understanding of of management and uh, uh, some human resource stuff, customer service. You have to have a baseline of the fundamentals of finances. But then you might be really good at marketing or design or forecasting a vision for the for the business. Um, You might be really good with your community and stuff like that. So you find those strong points and then you find the dudes are good at all the other stuff. It's like a team. Then they run those and then you got yeah. a badass team. man. so that's what I'm trying to build, man. That's people's always a hard component to find that, that perfect team to really take on um, or to be driven as much as you are as a business owner, which nobody will be. It's yours. You, it's your baby. You, and then you have expectations that everybody should be, busting their ass just as hard as you, which is not real, you know, <laughs> right. Unless yeah, they got a part ownership or something like that. Yeah. So for all the, I mean, a lot of money, I think I've asked you before, you know, for those out there that, you know, let's say they're vets or heck, they're just the average guy that's think that's working in a, uh, well, 
was working in a cubicle space. Now they've been working in their living room, but they think about starting a business. They know they want to kind of work for themselves and take advantage of capitalism here in America. What, what are like the top three, you know, what are the top three, um, pieces of advice that you've learned over the years that you would give someone that wants to step out on their own? Oh man, I would say, you know, cause things change, they've changed so much. Um, you have to be willing to be able to adapt like quickly as things are changing so fast right now. We're back in the day, like when I started 10, 11 years ago, uh, you had like, okay, so you had Facebook, right? It was a powerhouse back then. It was a complete mm -hmm. powerhouse. Now that's not, not the case at all. It's completely changed. So things are always changing. You have to be up to par and up to speed with what's happening in, in the technology world with marketing, unless you're just some huge celebrity that doesn't need any of that. Um, but the average Joe dude, he's going to have to hustle. He's going to have to, it's gotten so competitive now because of the internet. Yeah. Because there's people at home. It's hard to stand out, right? It's hard. It's hard yeah, to stand it's much, out. Yeah. yeah, man. It's a lot hard. So, but it's still there. You can, st there's still a lot of opportunity there. So I would say be being able to adapt, being up to speed with what's happening on the back ends of your websites and the, the applications are out there being all, you have to learn those. Um, a lot of guys get the perception like, oh man, I could sell a t-shirt and, and from my, from my, my house or whatever, and have a website, like you can do that. That's fine. Can you do fulfillment? Can you do customer? We've talked about customer service, man. Mm -hmm. There's going to be all these moving parts. You're going to have emails and then you're going to be like, I think a lot of guys back out of it after they start seeing the reality of the responsibility that comes with your business. Yeah. There's a lot of things that happen, man. And um, you have to be, know that you're getting into that. And if you're passionate about your business, you will. Um, so that, and then, uh, you know, and then also the last thing I would say is just be really particular with who you bring on your, with your, um, employees, really vet them, really interview them. Um, a friend of a friend type thing. And this, uh, you know what, this is, you have to treat it as your business. You got to treat it as if it was your team, like you guys, you guys are going to have the best of the best with you. You're not just going to let Joe blow come in and ruin the whole dynamic. Mm -hmm. Business is the same way, man. You have, if you take the time to vet those people and then keep continuous training with them, then you'll be more successful with your, with your business. And I've learned those lessons. I've hired friends of a friend. My buddy needs a job. This guy's this guy. And you know what I mean? A friend, you know, now I know I do a whole process. Like we do an indeed type thing. We, we screen them there and then we do an interview and then we check their bat. We check their references. And if that all pans out, then, you know, we yeah. bring them on. So yeah, no, vet your people really well. Yeah. That's good pointers, man. I think you're right. Adaptability and, and, and the ability to pivot at a moment's mm -hmm. notice based on what's going on, staying up on technology, which is a full-time job for anyone because there's so many platforms now that yeah. changing their algorithms, changing their capabilities, adding more, you know, you just look at how far Instagram's come in the last couple of years with adding reels and adding timelines and adding, I mean, it's like, and if you're not using all the parts and pieces of a particular social media platform, then they don't like you, right? If you only post pictures, then you're not going to get the same type of presence as the person who's using all the tools. They like people who use all their stuff, you know? And so you have to, okay, now I got to add timeline. Oh, now I got to do fucking reels. Now I got to, you know, it's like, if you don't do any of that, then, you, then, then once again, you've just disappeared and you're not relevant anymore. And I think that's key is in today's business, it's how do I stay relevant, right? 
how do I stay there without being annoying, without looking dumb? <laughs> you know, it's like one thing yep. after another, man. <laughs> yeah, it's you hell. know it, man. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, read a, I read a really interesting article on that just the other day, and I see it happening. Um, so what's happening, and it's it's – so they had a, a time period in the 90s where – it was cool to be a slacker, right? In the, the, the early grunge days, it was cool to be the guy who says, I don't give a, I don't care, I'm gonna smoke weed and chill up, listen to music. That was cool, right? Mm -hmm. Now the cool thing is uh, entrepreneur, success, motivator, uh, positive type stuff, which is great, you know? Yeah, yeah. So now look at this, look at this, but is there, everything's a positive, oh yeah, this, that, and the other. That was cool <laughs> for a while. Well, they now the, they're saying, and stuff I'm reading is that's gonna start pivoting back to you know what it's cooler not to be all over social media and it's cool not to be showing everything it's cool to step back and become that that like that generation could start happening again so as that was happening uh, uh ig and all them had to start creating reels they had to start creating all these other things because people were no longer being engaged or interested in that that was already saturated just right. the, the picture the saturated so then they did the stories that's saturated now they're doing the reels that's becoming sad. So what's next? So the trend is that people are getting tired of this stuff that, and the companies are trying to show new things to keep people interested. But yeah. I found that interesting. I said, I could see that. I could see people say, you know what? This is too much, man. And I don't want a company following me everywhere I go. And now it's getting weird where before you retargeted, you prospect, <laughs> yeah. you know, you went to buy something or look at it. And now it's following you around. You're like back in the day, people like, oh, well, it's following me. I'm going to buy it. That was the mindset of that thing. Now, yeah. if it follows you, people are like, man, I don't know if I like that, man. That I just saw, I just talked to my buddy about that, and now I'm getting targeted on ads right. um, in another state. Like, this is weird, man. So the trend there, too, people are starting to back off these applications. They're not downloading or liking pages as much or businesses because they don't want them to be followed. They don't want to be followed around. Right. So if you show I, I interest in any, so yeah, you show interest in any form or fashion, then you get haunted by whatever company it is that you liked or, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, yeah. it's starting to become a turnoff to people. So hmm. if you're a company, that's the type of things you have to be worried about. You have to start forecasting, planning out, okay, if these are happening, if you can be the dude that jumps on that early and finds out what's that new cool thing going to be with yeah. your business, then you'll be ahead. If you're catching up and now that's over with and now you're just doing it, it's on to the next thing, you know, and that's what the expectations of people in the world is right now. So business is very, even though the opportunities are there, it's very competitive. It's very fast moving. And it's another generation, man. I'm 46 years old. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, man. I'm, I still like to live in those worlds, man. I still like that music and the culture and the art and stuff. I like some new stuff too, but I'm realizing now, like, I, I don't know how to keep up the TikToks and this, that, and the other. Yeah, so, you know, I need to hire a kid to do that, bro. Because I have no way <laughs> as a 46-year-old man even going to say the word TikTok. Bro, I'm on TikTok, man. Like, this sounds weird. And all the yeah. professional success dudes out there would be like, that's bullshit. You should be on all those things all day long. Like, that's just not me, man. I don't – I it's too mentally disturbing for me to do that all day it's long. It's a lot. So well, can, what gets me is that's a lot of content. Like you, I mean, who has time to sit around all day and create that much content? Unless you're in a place like where you you you're at, where you can actually have people create content all day. But as someone just starting creator, a business, yeah. you know that's a that's overwhelming. Um, it, it really, yeah. it really. We talk. I have discussion all the time with other business owners, with myself, with other people, and it's 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 it is tough, man. And it's um, 
And that was part of the article I read too. They talked about the loss, the loss of art, the loss of what, what were things that were beautiful, man, even in nature and stuff. Now, social media is like, everything's art, everything's content. It's not even art anymore, it's content. So they make it as cool as it can make it look for, for a purpose of content, not for the purpose of enjoying that. Like, and I find myself, I used to, I could enjoy something visually where yeah. now there's so much cool shit coming at you. And it's like, oh, that's, and now it's kind of, oh yeah, five years ago, I would have looked at my, oh my God, that's beautiful. Now I'm like, oh, that's, that's a filter of whatever. So the, the, the <laughs> yeah. sense of art is like going out the window too, you know, yeah. but I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's interesting, man. The parts I extract from all this is they both it's almost like an oxymoron because they counter each other so much but our our attention spans are going down but the level mm-hmm. of surveillance used against us for marketing advertising everything has gone up right so we're not paying attention anymore and if we do it's for eight minutes or less and mm-hmm. but while that's happening the level of surveillance and tracking and all those technologies being used to target you are going up. They're on the rise, right? So it makes it so much easier if you're not paying attention, you know, to be taken advantage of, whether it's with marketing, advertising, or a bad guy. I also find that um, what, I, what I saw the other day with Amazon, Amazon Sidewalk. Have you heard about this? Where they are taking every single device that's in your home, okay, and they're creating a global mesh network, meaning your devices in your home will now start communicating with your neighbors or the phone that walks by in the sidewalk out front. Somebody goes by and, you know, they're claiming, Amazon's claiming that, hey, we're doing this to increase the, uh, uh, whatever, increase the capabilities of each device so that they're a little more... Efficiency. There's no, there's no lag. Yeah, there's no lag time, and they, everything works great. But imagine now, a device in your home will now be able to connect with other devices in your neighborhood without your permission. So you literally have to go into your Amazon app and turn off Amazon Sidewalk if you don't want that capability to be used or be part of their mesh network. It's uh, I mean, wow. who would have thought, right? I mean, it's that's a that will allow. I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of data they get out of that by connecting all devices around the globe. <laughs> like, and, it's and insane. That's what's, that's what's scary. Like, you understand it because you come from that kind of world. Um, some people, are, but most people are walking around, like, they have no idea what's happening. And they're just like, okay, download, download, download. Yeah. I'll, have my, I'll see my kids do it because we were at a monster truck show, right, type of thing. And it was a couple of years ago. And I understand this because I'm in this business world now. So now the new thing, instead of email marketing, is, is text marketing. So instead of getting an email, you get the text message yeah, saying, hey, I get sell, yep. blah, 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 whatever. Um, in order for a company to do that legally, they have to have your approval. And how do they get your approval? Here's one way. And this was at the uh, Monster Truck show. It's like, oh, text whatever, whatever, whatever for your chance to win whatever. Uh, if you yeah. text that, you're giving them, you're agreeing for them to have your number and then so all the kids are, I took a bunch of kids. They're all like, oh yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. They're trying to get your phone numbers. They don't, you're not going to, first of all, you're not going to win. They're trying to gather your <laughs> <Nobody> information. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, they don't, they, they are clueless to it. So it's, I think it's good for us to kind of be up on aware of what's happening with, yeah. with the IA and with the technology and what, you know, with the, the information, I, here's how bad it is. I, I logged into something yesterday. It was, uh, it was PayPal. 
and I was doing it from my phone. So it was registered as a new device or something. It was a security thing. It's like, pick out your, your, take these two arrows. It was a wheel of color and move the arrows for your top favorite colors on top. My top favorite colors. And I'm like, Hmm. Black. Then, black. So I did. I was, here's my top three colors. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good to go. Like mother, how do you know my top colors? Like that to me, I was like, that blew me away, bro. Yeah. So they're collecting a lot of information on us by our habits, by how we, where we go, what we eat, what we look at. Yeah, Probably crazy. what you look at, they can see this dude watched things, things are blue attracts and things are, and then they have uh, all this data on you. So it's easier to figure out what your favorite colors are, you know? So yeah. I, I, that was new to me, but um, yeah, man, it's an interesting world, dude. It's very interesting what's happening. And in business, it's, it's tied into all this. So you want to be a part of this, you have to be a part of that, man. And you want to call it out, you're also using it. Like I use that technology to track people. I've used retargeting, prospecting, because that's what you have to do, you know? But now it's like, is that too much? Do we back off of that? Is that not cool yeah. anymore? And that's where you have to decide as a business owner, that's not your own gut instinct. You have to kind of look at the facts of what are happening and then forecast out and say, you know what, let's back off that, let's put that, Somebody told me this in marketing that the next thing is going to be going back to Google ads, that people are going to get away from Facebook and doing ads on those things and get back to Google ads. So mm. I don't know. And two years ago, Google's ads was dead. So I don't know. Yeah. Man. But I don't think anybody really knows, dude. It's just happening so fast. That's right. And it's just uh, trying to keep up with all of it is just crazy. Um, well, with that, knowing that the good guys are using surveillance, the bad guys are using surveillance, everything is a, uh, definitely a security safe. It's a security and safety vulnerable world without a doubt. You're listening to, can you survive this podcast? Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. We will be right back with badass Marine security detail expert, Wes Whitlock, after the break. Um, yep. So now we're going to go ahead and get into your hypothetical survival scenario. Ooh. Okay. All right. Wes. All right. Hope, it's, hope, it, hope there's a, a broken down <laughs> Twinkie truck in the picture like that zombie movie. It finds all the Twinkies and survives off those. Oh, yeah. I, I could do that one. Oh, yeah, Bring it on, too, bro. Man. Let's go. All right. <laughs> All right, Wes Whitlock. You know, Wes Whitlock. Is that your real name, Wes? Whitlock. Well, it's actually it's John Wes John Wesley Whitlock. My dad wanted to name me after John Wesley Harden, the gunfighter. My mom's like John Wesley. Uh, uh, he was an explorer, so my she took she decided to go with the name because yeah, I was going to say yeah. Wes Whitlock <laughs> sounds like an outlaw. I could see that on a wanted poster. Wes Whitlock. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Yes. Yeah. You should make a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, with that on there. that's my name, man. Yep, that's my name. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, you have decided to take a trip to the grocery store outside of town, okay? You might want to take notes, but just keep track okay. of some of this information. All right, yep. You want to check out their coffee selections, Wes. Mm, okay. Check out the competition. See if Invader Coffee is on the shelves, right, at HEB near you. Mm -hmm. um, if, it's, um, if it's not... Of course, you, you'll be sure to uh, let them know that, hey, why isn't my coffee on the shelf? Um, like legitimately, why Yeah, because you do have those deals in place. Okay. I do do those. I carry um, coffee in my trunk, man, and I tell you, you're going to carry my coffee, bro. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so you get to the grocery store and you hit up the coffee aisle. You're casually pursuing or perusing the coffee selection 
when you hear bang, 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 gunshots go off, people scream, chaos, you know, basically you're in the middle of an active shooter scenario, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So first question, all right, do you A, stay in your position and determine where the shots came from, or B, stay low, zigzag to cover before assessing where the threat is coming from? So A is stay where you're at. I would, I would, I would, I would be on the move, but I would be trying to to try to decide where this is coming from before yeah. I wouldn't just run off and go dive because now you're going to run right into the shooter or you're not have cover. So you have to stop and think about it for a moment. So I'd go with, I would go with B, B on that one. I would be, I would be moving, man. Yeah. Stay low, zigzag to cover before assessing where the threat is coming from. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing with any of these active shooter situations, you know, the situation itself dictates what's the right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but ultimately, You've got to know where the shooter is because, as you know, and I've discussed this before, gunshots fired indoors is super loud and it's omnidirectional. So you, yep. you have a hard time knowing exactly where the shots are actually coming from. Um, sometimes Absolutely. they sound like they're coming from the right, but really they're coming for the left. But uh, yeah, if you've so looked at active shooter scenarios in schools and malls and stuff. A lot of times the groups of people were running right towards the dude because exactly. they, they heard gunshots and it re- reflected off the wall and they ran right into the actual shooter. So yeah. very good point for sure. Yeah. So freezing up is never, never a good idea in a survival situation. Stay low to the ground and uh, finding cover gives you a better chance of survival than freezing up and being an easy target. So uh, you stay yep. low and you, you get moving. So next, do you a... Get behind a large rack of food in order to hide uh, from the shooter, or B, stay low, zigzag over to one of those freestanding meat coolers. I'll go with the the meat coolers. <laughs> I'd probably have yeah. a little bit more, you know, uh, cover there and right. um, a better. You know, I would I would I would try to position myself to be in a in a, a dominant position over the shooter and wherever he's positioned. I do. You don't want to get up behind. Um, a soft cover in a scenario like that because right. bullets go through bread quick. Yes, um, exactly. You know, so possession yourself in the right position. The thing is with an active shooter too is, um, and I've been I've done been, been through a good amount of active shooting training. Is if you study like so Columbine is kind of when it happened. Columbine they learned a lot a lot of lessons from yeah. that scenario. They waited too long. They weren't trained, and an active shooter goes in within three to five minutes. They've already done their damage. Like they're going in there with intent to kill as fast as, and as many as possible. So now with an active shooter, you have to get to him quickly. Um, but you want to get to him and get killed to where you can't stop him. So you want to get to him in an efficient manner that you have uh, the ability to be in a better position to take him out versus you getting killed, then you just kill more people. So you got to get to him quick, but do it in a way that's not going to put you at more danger to where you get shot. Now you're you're a liability instead of an asset, you know? Yeah. No, those are all great points, buddy. I appreciate that. And uh, you bring up a good point. Cover versus concealment, right? So bread, potato chips, any rack of food is not going to stop bullets, though it will hide you from the bad guy. Now, cover, cover, cover is anything that stops bullets. So for those of you listening, you know, you always want to choose cover over concealment because cover will still hide you. But it stops bullets like, you know, a freezer full of frozen meat will certainly stop some bullets. 
Um, but the uh, the bread shelf will not. So cover versus concealment. Um, always yeah, look for just cover. Just like your card, like a car door tube. People forget you can <laughs> yeah, shoot right hollow. through a car door, <laughs> yeah. man. Easy. So yeah, get behind I, that engine block. Get behind yeah. uh, the wheel. Well, you know, get behind something that's hardened because um, people have a misconception of what bolts can do. They clean a nine millimeter will cleanly go through a, a door of a, of a car. It sure will. So yeah, that's something you got to think about when you're when you're in that scenario for sure. All right, so the gunshots continue, and uh, so does the screaming from around the store. Now, you're, you're behind your, your freezer full of meat, um, and shit's getting really bad. So do you, A, um, peek out, try to determine where the shots are coming from, or B, sprint for an exit, which is on the other side or other end of the store? As, so the active shooter's still in there? Yeah, it's getting worse. Shots yeah. are still firing, people are still <clears throat> screaming. I would say, you know... For, for, for me, for my scenario, um, I would, I would, I would go after him. I wouldn't run to the exit for sure. I would, yeah, get, okay. I would try to again get into a position to where I could dominate him. Um, and even if I wasn't carrying, you know, I try to carry where I go. But sometimes you go to other states or you go somewhere and you're just for whatever reason you're not carrying. Hopefully you are, but not you're not carrying 24 seven. I don't care who you are. Um, there's going to be times where you just aren't. So right. hopefully you are. But if you're not. Even in a scenario like that, you know, for me personally, I would still have to do something. I would find a weapon. I could find that hard piece of meat or whatever it is and smash them over the head, yeah. you know, or push a rack over them, whatever. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell everybody to do that. Most people, they need to get out. If there's an active shooter, you shouldn't like Columbine, those kids hit under their desk. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. They should have been jumping out windows. They should have been going for those exits. That's right. You've got to get out as fast as possible because there was other one. It was one in Florida where the people are hiding in the bathroom. So the dude just goes, oh, here they all are. You know, so you don't want to you don't want to hide. Um, I mean, if you have to hide, whatever. But if you have the, the ability to get out, go with and that. You should. Yes, you should. Sure. Yes. Yep. Unless you're Wes Wetlock, big bad. And yeah. Or I, you, I got you and Pat Mack in there. I'll just let you guys clear the entire yeah. freaking sub uh, uh, safe way, whatever. <laughs> no, we're going to hide behind you, man. We're hiding behind Wes. Um, okay. So you decide to, uh, I think you decided a, you know, to peek and uh, determine where the shots are coming from. You've already kind of made it clear. You're going to be an aggressor for sure. And trying, you know, uh, limit this, uh, the shooter's uh, chaos. So, um, plus you always want to get eyes on the shooter, like the point you made earlier. You can't, you know, if you don't know where he's at, then you're running blind and you could find yourself smack dab in front of a barrel and that's not a good place to be. Um, Sprinting without knowing where the threat is is just dangerous. So you peek out, you, um, you still can't see the shooter, but you can see what appears to be injured store patrons near the exit at the front of the store. This is about 100 feet away from you. Uh, the back of the store, employees only section, is about 200 feet away uh, from where you are and uh, basically is in the other direction. You are also right next to the butcher and meat section of the store. So do you A, sprint towards one of the exits, or B, Stay low, sneak into the butcher's area, and stock up on whatever weapons you may be able to find back there. I like that. <laughs> yes, I like that. Uh, option B, for sure. B, you know, correct. I, I, I always think it would be fun to clear um, you know, clear a, a room or a house or something with a cleaver or a, a oh, tomahawk or something. Yeah. 
you know, I think the bottom, I think at the end of the, the end of the day is if you if you're um, if again you're physically capable, and again that comes back to your physical training, and even if you don't have a lot of training in active shooter, you could probably still find yourself to be able to take that person out if you're physically um, in better shape than them. If you could grab yourself some sort of weapon and you're close enough, that would just be me. I wouldn't recommend everybody do that. You should get away from the shooter and get out of there. But um, yeah. there's no way I'm going to do that. I even There's just no way. I will find a weapon, meat cleaver, uh, whatever. So, yeah, I would go with that that option All right. for sure. So, B, yeah. good. So, you're running, at 100, <laughs> you're, you're running at 100% right now, buddy, which is better. Well, than these others. are fun. You make it's it better fun, than man. others. Right, now, so. I'm like, dude, dude uh, yeah. You better get 100, like... Wes. You better, you better survive the podcast. <laughs> I mean, that's why you're here. All right. So, um, you, you still don't have eyes on the shooter. You know, you obviously you decide, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and grab me some some cleavers, and we're gonna go uh, Jason style, or was it David? Which one had what? Jason? Oh, or David? Uh, Michael Myers. Oh, Michael Myers. Or yeah, and then Jason had a he had a he had a knife too. That's right. Yeah, they all like Chucky that. had a knife too, bro. I go with Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you got you've got some injured patrons uh, at the front exit. Obviously, the shooter has already taken out those people, and other people are fleeing. Um, you may you may be able to find some useful weapons behind the butcher's counter, which you do. So you go ahead and grab a butcher's knife. Right um, now, you have some weapons. So next, do you a make your way to the front exit, which is only about a hundred feet away? Or B, make your way to the rear exit, which is about 200 feet away. Remember, the the, the front exit is where there were bodies already down. Blood so kinda, bodies, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so, but the rear exit appears to be clear. Remember, that's the one about 200 feet away. Even though it's further away from you, it also further away from what appears to be the danger zone. So staying low and trying to move from cover to cover you head to the rear exit of the store. You pass through the rear employee-only area, and you find yourself at the rear exit. So do you, A, exit quickly and run, or B, slowly crack the door, peek out, and make sure the coast is clear? Yeah, I would, I would take that quick look, and because um, a lot of times those guys could be working in twos. There's a guy that funnels everybody out the doors, and as they run out the door, you know, you can be funneled into a scenario though. So kind of yeah, always, good. yeah, kind of have to have an idea of what you're getting into. Um, you know, if, if you have the ability to do that, um, then right. yeah, I would take a look, man. Cause a lot of times it's, it's kind of like clearing a room, even though sometimes clearing a room, you don't know what's going to, you just go in there and go left or right. Um, but if you can clear that room from the hallway, if you see a bad guy, would you take him out first or would you just go into that room? No, I'm going to shoot that dude from the hallway before I get to that room. Right. So, you know, know what's what danger you're getting into if you can. If you just don't know and you have to go in there, then you do your dynamics and yeah. go in there. But if you have the ability to take somebody out um, or, or take care, take take advantage of that situation from a distance, then go with that, you know, make your decision there. So, yeah, that one. Yep. <laughs> all right so you slowly crack the rear door you know which uh, allows you to kind of peek um you know in in historically these have been lone wolves single shooters but just like what in the past week you had three shooters show up um where was that that was a uh, i don't recall what what what, what 
place it was. Man, it's right. Well, I heard about one. There was right a there. mall one. There was a mall one, was but then the they mall? said it was. They said it. Then they said it wasn't an active shooter. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear about the. There the was other three one. got three shooters, and uh, you know, like two or three people actually only died, but a bunch were injured, and this was just in the past week. So. Point being is don't assume that it's always a lone shooter, and that's why you want to peek out the door and ensure that it's safe just in case, you know, the lone shooter doesn't have a buddy out there waiting for everyone to funnel out the door uh, and all get killed. All right, so there could be, uh, you know, another gunman. Shooters often plan to take out, you know, anyone they can, especially around exits. So you peek out, and you see about 10 feet away a guy with a shotgun with his back turned to you. Okay. The guy with the shotgun turns towards the door you are peeking out of. Do you A, rush out and knife him, <laughs> or B, uh, the door is only cracked, so you pull it shut and you take cover behind a stack of boxes? Yeah, I would, I would, I would have to, because you know that what is it, the 20-foot rule, 21-feet rule, whatever, you can get some real distance real fast with with somebody with a knife onto somebody who has a gun. I don't know if you've ever done that drill, but you get oh, yeah. somebody, yeah. you know, and they get up to you quick, man. So definitely a police line. Yeah, that's definitely a police. Uh, that they do that, I think, in every training academy across the country. Because yeah, it's true. And if you've tried with somebody, you say like, "Damn, that dude!" Because you're like, "Okay, I got on the gun. I'm ready." That dude's 20 feet. He's got a knife. There's no way he's gonna and try it and see what happens. You know, they get pretty close. So if the dude doesn't have any training at all, you might have the advantage. Again, mm-hmm. if you're if you're physically uh, uh, superior over him and you have, um, you think, I don't know, that'd be a tough one because at the same time, you don't want to be stupid. Okay, that dude's got a gun. I have a knife. I'm this far away from him. He's turning around and seeing me. Do I want to run into a shotgun? You want to bring a knife to a gunfight? Right. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. you know... I, that's why I throw knives, bro. Even my knife throwing stuff, I, wow. You know, yeah. you can throw a knife pretty far, bro. <laughs> you know? that, yeah. Um, there you go. You option know, C. <laughs> yeah, option C. Throw it, stab him in the face. You know? All right. So, so we'll say for the sake of the game, we'll say you're the average person. And I think you're you're definitely right. You want to probably crack the door. You see the bad guy and you're like, mm, no, I'll wait for a better opportunity. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, you, that shotgun, I mean, all he's got to do is pull that trigger and... Uh, it's going to go off. And it's a shotgun. It's not a sniper rifle. So if it's just pointed in your general direction, that's going to hurt regardless. Exactly. Um, and if you go back into that room and that dude decides to follow you, then you set yourself up so when he comes in so you can. Yeah. There now, you he's, now he's going into the unknown. Right. He doesn't know what he's walking into. There we and then go. You, then you take that to your advantage. So you always want to use what's to your most advantage. Right. Um, yeah, I think so that's, yeah. that's good. That's good. So you pull the door shut and you take concealment behind a stack of boxes next to the door. The gunman, the gunman, he shoots right through the door, right? Um, and hit with his shotgun and then kicks the door wide open. He's doing some Rambo stuff here. Um, now he scans the room. His back is to you, okay? Now he's only a couple of feet away. Do you, A, escape out the back door while his back is turned, or B, attack him from behind, neutralize him using the butcher knife? Oh, yeah, we already know the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, again, now this guy's positioned himself to be at a tactical advantage over this other guy, mm-hmm. and then he sees his opportunities much better. So, yep, that's straight either. You might have to go with, um, you know, you just 
just kill him or you might want to be able to you might want to scalp him first and then you know then <laughs> yeah, kind of throw like cuz now you can have fun now you have time to uh to actually have fun with this guy a little bit if you wanted right. to so yeah he, right. definitely he's going out man he's going down going out so, right yes. <laughs> you know here's the deal the, the reality is for for the average listener you know you have the opportunity to escape increasing distance increases survivability um, if you are someone like Wes, then yeah, you uh, you can uh, tear this dude up from behind, and he'll be dead before he even gets a chance to turn around. And, uh, and if you have that capability, keyword capability, then you should because you're going to save lives and hopefully prevent any further uh, injury or death to uh, the people in that store, the people around you. Um, so you use the knife and you put this guy down. Um, and now you have his shotgun. Now things get really fun, okay? Yes. Do you, A, go back into the store, okay, and find the other shooter and use the shotgun to neutralize that threat, or B, take the shotgun with you but exit through the back of the door, or through the back door, sorry. Yeah, at that point, and um, so this way you have to think really about this. Yeah, um, you got you got to remember. One's... There's a SWAT. There's a SWAT team coming in, right? They might be coming in the front. They don't know who you are. You got this guy's shotgun, and you go back into that store. Guess what? Right. You're asking to get neutralized by the SWAT team. You're going so, down the right path here. Love it. Yeah. So you got to be kind of aware of what the scenario is. You got to read it. Um, if nobody's there and you know that, and you can go do something, yeah, then I'm going in there with the shotgun. But if I know SWATs, now the professionals are here. Let them do their job. You've done what you can. Take your ass out and go out and sit on the curb. Don't right. get involved. Don't get who was that dipshit that was that fucking active shooter that was in uh, Vegas and that celebrity wannabe Navy SEAL guy was like running around trying to ask cops for their guns. Oh, uh, uh, Dan Brazilian. Yeah, that yeah. guy. He I was like, "Give me your gun!" One. And he had a guy like filming him. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "Really? Like yeah. that's just a cop, man!" And the cop was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like, right? Let them do their jobs. Let the professionals do their jobs. Um, if you can go outside and assist with medical, that's why I tell guys carry a tourniquet, man. I have one in every bag. I have one in every car. Yeah. Um, I found a girl with her leg ripped off in the middle of the road and I put a tourniquet on her, man. I had one in my car. Keep a tourniquet with you because um, it could be a car accident or if they right. get shot at a grocery store. Now you could probably save quite a few people from bleeding now. So no doubt. Um, go assist there, man. Let the cops go neutralize this guy there you at this go. point. Or like you're going to die, you know? Yeah, I think it's easy to kind of go into uh, any of those hero action star moments. But the reality is, is by this time, you know, the cavalry's on its way and you don't want to be mistaken as a bad guy. You don't want everyone else inside that store to think you're one of the bad guys as well because they're not going to know the difference. Now, you might have another Wes Whitlock in there with a butcher knife. And you're getting your uh, your head cut off from behind uh, when you were just trying to do a good deed. So you got to really exactly. think things through. Um, at the end of the day, there's no right or wrong answer to this, but your capability experience uh, plays a big role in the decision you make. Um, okay, so you decide to exit through the back, putting as much distance between you and the threat. Obviously, will increase your survivability. Um, and, and another point to this that has to be mentioned is we're both dads, right? So the decisions you make when you have a family member with you versus when you're by yourself also play a role here. Um, Absolutely. If you had any of your kids with you, you're not going to be, you know, trying to be a hero. No doubt about it. 
you're going to want to get them away that's from it right as quickly as possible I, yeah no that's a real and a possibility that you're going to be there with them or at a movie theater with your kids is probably pretty high when i go to the store and movies i'm at home with kids yeah. so it's definitely something to think about um and like i said don't be the hero guy because now right. you just got yourself killed and maybe your kid so um yeah you gotta that's, be that's kind of yeah point. there's points when you can be selfish and then there's points where you can be selfless and uh, once again, situation will uh, decide that for you. Okay, last question. Do you, A, go straight out back and head to safety somewhere behind the building, getting the hell out of there and never looking back, or B, make your way to the front of the building, assessing the situation, call the cops, and give them the details of what's going on in the situation? So What's the active it? shooter still, it's like still taking place. Cops haven't arrived type of thing. Yeah. Me personally, I would, I would stick in the, I would stick in the area and I would probably distance. I would probably get a, I don't know. I would, I would get in a, in a position to where I can assess things a little bit differently and you definitely call the, the, the police. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. In that scenario. Yeah. I would, I would, I would stay in the area and just kind of assess, see what I could do from that point. Um, and call the, yeah, call the professionals. Right. There you go. I think, you know, basically both both answers are are kind of the same. I mean, you're, either way, you're going to get distance. The question is, is do I, you know, find cover and observe and, and communicate to higher authority um, or just run and keep running? Now, you know, if I'm with my daughter, then, yeah, it's run and keep running, you know. Um, if yeah. I'm by myself, then, yeah, I'll stop, observe, and report so that we can get the uh, – get law enforcement in the right place and let them know that hey this isn't just a lone wolf i already took out one dude uh there might be others somewhere right and um you got to take all of that into consideration so you uh well yeah you did a hundred percent you did good man because some of these some of these (laughs) were some of them were two right answers and you you pick the ones that went with the so you know you got to remember when we build these scenarios we're building it because it's going for you. It's a blind path. <laughs> so right, right. we know that you need to answer B in order to do the next piece. Um, and you happen to actually, even though there was right answers on, on some of these questions, you picked the right answer that kept going with the storyline, which is awesome, man. Hey, uh, good job. And I appreciate yeah, all dude, of the awesome. amplifying information <laughs> because that's the goal of the, uh, it's the goal of the podcast is making sure that people aren't just hearing me, they're getting to hear the guests and sometimes the guests are wrong and that that leads to great discussion too right i mean mm-hmm. where you can you know talk about the correctives and the whys and the why nots and um and that's where people learn and hopefully remember it um especially with right now you know i keep saying after this pandemic and everybody being cooped up you know this uh, this active shooter thing is on the rise because probably you know a lot of it has to do with with this pandemic you know if isolation mental health issues have gone up drug abuse has gone up relationship issues have gone up um i mean you name Absolutely. it yeah all of all of these factors because of people sitting around jobless or you know whatever the whatever the reason is um you got to be ready for it so yeah. good stuff no, any final thoughts yeah. any final thoughts from you wes on any of that no, I think it's a really good discussion that you brought up. I think we're going to see probably more of it. There was a, the massage parlor one. You hear about that guy when the massage parlor blew away all the oh yeah the, hand, the ladies giving handies or whatever. Like so, there's a, met, a lot of mental issues and stuff. And so that should have been the hey, you're inside the uh, Asian Pearl 
and you're getting a rub and tug. And the dude comes in and you're Next, naked. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely. You know, yeah, I like that. Like, where do you go? Now you're naked. Do you go take the dude out and you let, you know. Do you A, pull your pants up, or B, <laughs> leave them down and run like a maniac? <laughs> yeah, no, this is good, man. Yeah, real good, man. It's, it's something you guys should think about for sure. I keep, I have, I mean, I, I keep my stuff there near me. I'm in my store. You don't know who's going to walk in there, man. You don't know who's going to walk in uh, and what state they're going to be in. So I want to be, I want to be um, able to, to deal with them as they come, might come in and do something. Well, I mean, you do have a coffin there behind you, right? That's a coffin. We do have a coffin, yes. Yeah, and that's, so we, we, we put them in there. You're the already end. ready to rack and stack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It, no, you have to be aware, man. You have to be aware of things. Not paranoid, but just kind of that stuff happens all the time, every day. And I tell my kids, too, when they get out of the car, my pet peeve with kids are when they get out of the car now they don't look they just get out yeah. I say, well, before we get out of the car do a quick check who's in that car who's the, is there something somebody's planning do just a quick scan then you get out of the car and then you don't put up your phone and walk to the parking lot do an assessment and then yeah. you know, then do your thing but you know i i have them doing it now and i'll, I'll stop and I'll, they'll do a quick peek but look all right yeah that dude looks weird in that car right there dad like yeah, he's kind of weird, but he's just eating a Twinkie or something. Like, he's all right. You know, like, because <laughs> yeah. our natural instincts will tell us if something's off. You know? That's so right. Let, let, they're there. Let them use them. Um, but, yeah, man, dude, it's been badass, man. Yeah, this is – you're always putting out good stuff, man. So, yeah, appreciate well, you having me on I appreciate here. you coming on the show, man. And uh, wh- where can everybody find you? Give us your uh... – Give us your whole like online bio of yeah man it's just west whitlock i'm at i'm at um uh you know all the, the platforms whatever the, the one thing that would help me out with is uh, uh my podcast around yeah whatever youtube and all spotify and all that if you want to go listen to anything or, or uh support there that would be cool because i'm kind of new at it just started it we've had some great guests i've had tim kennedy uh pat i'm gonna get you on there yeah i'm um, just trying to cool guys doing cool stuff and hopefully people get something out of it so, all right yeah check me out that's going rogue with west whitlock going so rogue with you can west find whitlock. me there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome well, uh, yeah, for everybody out there, you know, check out Invader Coffee. It is really good. Mexican chocolate is my favorite. And if you want T-shirts that even make the fat guy look in shape, Rogue American Apparel. There's T-shirts <laughs> check, check of good one, quality. Bro. Yeah, he's got one on now. If you go uh, check out the YouTube video, yes, say when. I say like when. that. <laughs> um, yeah, got to have the Doc Holiday, man. Doc Holiday, yeah. That's <laughs> there you go. definitely a legend. All right, buddy. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. You have yeah, a, uh, a great day. And for those of you listening, remember, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And we'll see you next time. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson.